Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Hey, can we welcome everybody joining us online at a Jeffco Jail and just tell them you love them? Come on. We love you. Appreciate you. So glad you're part of our family. Well, guys, listen, today I'm starting our Christmas series, which I'm super excited about because I love Christmas like I know many of us do or, or most of you or some of you. May, I would like to say all of you, but I know it's not true. But God has a message for you. God wants to speak to you through this incredible story of Christmas. But before I, I get into the message, I just have a couple announcements I want to share with you. We are really looking forward to our Christmas, uh, our Christmas services. They're, they're going to be coming up the week of Christmas. And so we're going to be having four services. And I just want to give you a heads up about this. And so we, we do want to ask you to do something for us. So here's, the, uh, here's a just quick slide. So we have a, a Tuesday service on December 22nd. So Tuesday and Wednesday are 6.30. Thursday is 3 and 5. Now, for all of you color-coordinated calendar type of people, we have have color-coordinated each service for you. Now, there's a reason for this, because when you leave today, there are some cards out there. And so with each service, we're just asking you to grab the number of cards that uh, of people who are going to come to the service with you, your family members. And if you could just grab them, that way we can have a better understanding on how to plan, to prepare, to make sure that we have all the right um, stuff here for everybody to stay safe and to be um, germ-free and all that kind of stuff. But I do want to ask you if you could just grab a card when you leave. It's going to be an amazing time. Now, if you, if you grab a color card and then you're like, oh no, something came up, it's okay. These are not required to come. This just helps us to know how to plan so we can serve you the best that we possibly can and will. So, um, how many is excited for Christmas services, right? Come on, it's going to be good. So, if you could do that, that'd be awesome. Also, I want to ask you to do something with me this week. So, we know this, that the restrictions are crippling a lot of people, that they're not able to make a living for themselves especially in the food industry. And so I just want to ask you, if you're able to this week, that sometime this week, that all of us together call in an order. And we order something from Randy's Pizza at the shopping center right right over there by King Supers and order something from them at some point this week. And when you do call or when you do pick up the order, if you could just say, hey, I want, I want you to, I'm from Faith Bible Chapel, and we wanted to show our support for you. We're for you, and we wanted to order from you. And so we can all do that this week would be a great blessing to them. And then next Sunday, I'll give you another restaurant. So listen, if you have some, have some suggestions, you're like, I definitely want Chinese food next week, then tell me, okay? So we'll, we can do this. So anyway, if, if you can do that this week, it would be awesome. I know it would be a blessing to them, and we want to stand um, with them as, as we're all walking through this. But, but we can serve them as a church. It's a small thing, but it's going to be a big thing to them. So amen. That'll be fun. Our family's excited for pizza this week. going to be awesome. Okay, good. So listen, Christmas is such a tremendous moment, really, in all of our lives. It's where things kind of come to a... Not a stop, I know it gets kind of busy, but we become a little bit more open to considering the story of Christmas. 
And I believe that God wants to do something and say something to us in the story of Christmas this year in a way that maybe you haven't experienced before. Christmas is about knowing and understanding the heart of God, the plan of God, to realize that through his arrival of Jesus Christ, he brought something to us. And this series is going to be focused on peace. We're going to be finding the truths of the Christmas story that deposit peace in your life. The beautiful thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ that is that it is able to bring peace to every area of our lives. And so during the Christmas season, sometimes we can miss the full application of Christmas or the, the full understanding of the Christmas story. But we're going to look at this story and we're going to find the things in the story, the truths of God, of the arrival of Jesus Christ in a manger that can give you deep, personal, significant peace. But you know, Personal peace is kind of interesting because personal peace is not about our lives. It's not about our circumstances. It's not about, hey, did we check the box? Okay, everything is good in my life, therefore I have peace. The beautiful thing about the peace of God is that the scripture says that the peace of God is, is able to go past our understanding. In other words, when you don't understand how things are going to work out, you still have the peace of God because you know the one who is with you is going to sustain you and keep you. Therefore, you can have peace. Peace is a stillness in our hearts. It's a confidence. It's a steadiness on the inside. And Christmas is about Jesus coming to give you peace. And how he can meet you in every situation, in every circumstance. Christmas is about Jesus not just bringing peace to you, but becoming the source of your peace in your life, in your soul, in your mind. I want you to know something today. I believe that God wants to give you peace. Peace in areas you don't even know you need them. But I believe that God wants to meet you there today. And I think we can all be guilty. I know I can, of, of measuring our peace from the substance of our year. Well, if we did that in 2020, that would not be smart, right? And we can think, oh, the year went good, therefore I have peace. Or my job, therefore I have peace. And oh, my relationships are good, therefore I have peace. But we know this, that if you try to draw your peace from the circumstances in the world or the circumstances in your lives, we can find ourselves actually in a place of, of, with our definition of peace, really disappointed. But Christmas, the beautiful story of Jesus coming as a babe in a manger is about the truth that Jesus came to give the type of peace that's not connected to your circumstances or the world we live in. Matter of fact, Jesus told his disciples when he was talking with them and teaching them, this is what he said out of John 14. He says, the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. What this means is Jesus is offering peace, not based on your world, not based on your circumstances, not based on you. He's offering peace that's based on him. And he doesn't move and he will never move. He will sustain you and give you peace in every situation. Amen? 
Matter of fact, 700 years before Jesus said this, the prophet Isaiah spoke about when Jesus was to come, the Messiah. And the prophet Isaiah said this, meaning talking about what, what the, the Messiah will be and what he will offer. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of, say it with me, Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So the kind of peace that comes with the reality of Christmas is a kind of peace that began at the resurrection of Jesus and will continue forever for all of those who are in Christ Jesus. So Christmas is about God through his son giving us peace, peace that calms, peace that heals, peace that can only be given through the understanding of the arrival of Jesus. And I want to begin this series, Finding Peace in the truths of God's word, actually from a passage of scripture I've never, I've never preached on before. So I, I'm su- I love teaching on stuff I've never taught on before, using passages for those points. And so I, but I'm really excited. But it's actually rarely ever preached on. And once you take a few minutes and read over the scriptures that I, I'm going to reference, you'll know why probably people don't preach on it. So we're going to be in, in Matthew chapter 1. Verses 1 through 17, and I'm, I, I'm not going to read the full passage. And if you have a, a vocation of where you read publicly, after you read it, you will know why I didn't read all 17 verses today. But this passage is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever considered the, the, the lineage of Jesus. So many times at Christmas, we focus, and rightly so, on the arrival, on the babe in a manger, on the, on the angel and the shepherds and all those incredible happenings of that night. But there's also some other incredible hidden gems and truths and things that God wants to meet with you and give you today of, of his grace and of, of his love towards you that will fill you with calming peace in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. So today, I want the, the disciple, Matthew, to introduce us to Jesus. Now, Matthew walked with Jesus. He was called by Jesus. He walked with him for three years. He, he heard Jesus. He, he grew with Jesus. And so we're going to read from his gospel. We're going to take from the the information that he gives from his gospel to introduce Jesus to those who are reading his gospel. Matthew knew that the people reading his gospel are, they are going to be Jews who, who became completed Jews by following Jesus Christ. And so he was introducing and helping them understand their faith of Jesus a little more. Also, he knew Jews who were not following Jesus but were considering following Jesus, would be reading his gospel as well. And so he begins introducing the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, through a crooked family tree. And so this is how Matthew begins introducing Jesus. Verse 1, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, and the son of Abraham. 
Now, what's really interesting is you think, you know, out of all the things that you can introduce Jesus with, you start with, this is a genealogy. Very interesting. All, all the other gospels, it's, you know, it, it, they're these really great openings. Mark is like, come on, he gets to the point, and John, and, you know, the, the word of God that was made flesh, and, 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 and uh, Luke, who, who's, you know, I have studied this, and this is a, a good account so that you can be assured that Jesus is the Messiah. But Matthew starts with, this is the genealogy. I bet, but, oh, I'm so excited. Genealogy, what is it? This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. So how Matthew introduces Jesus, and that's really what I want him to do today. I want Matthew to introduce Jesus to you. How, why, why would he open up with this when, when he, he knew Jesus, he walked with Jesus, he gave his life for Jesus with this. So he opens up with three sets of 14 generations leading up to the birth of Jesus. But I do want to highlight, I'm not going to read all of it or read all of the names, but I do want to highlight some significant names that Matthew listed in the family tree of Jesus that maybe you would be a little bit more familiar with and just let them speak to us today. So let's look at the first group of the 14 generations of the lineage of Jesus. The first name mentioned is King David, the king of who was promised that someone from his lineage would be established on the throne for all times. Then Matthew moves to Abraham, who was one through whom God promised the blessing would come to, to the whole world. And then Abraham, it mentions Abraham's son Isaac, who really is a miracle baby, if you're familiar with the story, to a mother named Sarah who was super old and never thought she could have a child. And then one day, shocked, she was pregnant. But really this story sets the stage for the obedient servant at the end of this lineage of Mary who was also shocked for her first child for different reasons, but still shocked. Then there is Tamar. Tamar, who's the first woman mentioned in this lineage. And Tamar was Judah, who was a son of Jacob, of the 12 tribes of Israel, Judah would have been prophesied that the Messiah would come through the, through, from the tribe of Judah. But Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law. Judah was one, again, of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's actually from, from his name where we get the name Jew, where we, Jews identify themselves with Judah. Judah's son, though, was married to Tamar. Now hang with me for a second. Tamar, Tamar's um, husband died. Tamar then married another son who also failed her. Then Judah wouldn't give her another of his sons to be married, so she was going to be destitute. She was not going to have a life. She was going to have to fend for herself. So her solution is Tamar disguised, her, disguised herself as a prostitute and knew Judah was going to some city. She went ahead of him and she tricked Judah into sleeping with her which led to the birth of the twins listed in the lineage of Jesus, Perez, and Zerah. There's another woman in the crooked family tree of Jesus whose name is Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute who was spared because she helped protect the Israelites when they infiltrated Jericho, when they, were came, in, when they came into the promised land. 
And so, when you, first off, you want to see these women. You want to look at Rahab. A woman being mentioned in an ancient genealogy is unheard of. Ancient genealogies didn't list women because they didn't value women. But here we have all these women. But to, to mention a woman in a, in a genealogy, unheard of. To mention a prostitute in a genealogy, never. It would never happen. Then we move on to the third woman mentioned, Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite woman who came from a people group that are known for their sexual immorality. And actually one time, at one time was forbidden to come into the assembly of God's people. They couldn't come because of their sexual immorality. The second group, there's a, a fourth woman that's mentioned. She's not explicitly named, but we know it's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, who was brought into the king's family through lying, adultery, and murder. And then King David had a son with Bathsheba named Solomon. Then Matthew also listed the kings of Israel. Now the kings of Israel, some of them were good kings. Most of them were evil, and they led God's people into idolatry, led God's people into sexual morality, which all of that eventually led to the destruction of Jerusalem. And then all of the children of Israel becoming slaves into Babylon. The third group is in the genealogy Matthew traces from Babylon all the way up to the birth of Jesus. So if you're introducing somebody to somebody else for the first time, is this how you're going to start? Hi, this is my friend so-and-so, and their mom was, would you really do that? Or this, this is my friend such and such, his dad, eight generations ago, murdered seven people. Nobody would say that. So the question is, why would Matthew choose to introduce Jesus this way? And I believe it's because you can't really understand the Christmas story, the arrival of Jesus without fully understanding the big picture of his arrival. The introduction of Jesus is very important for us to understand this Christmas account. A person's origin, where they came from, what, where their family was, how they got there is really important because you're able to give some context to the, to the individual and a person's origin gives context to their life. Actually, in John 19.9, Jesus is standing before Pilate on his way to the cross. And Pilate asked ask a question, where are you from? Because Pilate was trying to get context. Jesus, hang on, where, where, where are you from? In other words, what is your lineage? Who is your family? Where are you coming from? Now, Jesus didn't answer. But the truth is, if Pilate would have not skipped the first 17 verses like we do, he would have known where Jesus was from, Right? But God wants for us today from this passage, he wants us to see Jesus. He wants us to understand the message of Christmas. Why? Because he wants to give you assurance in your life. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to have certainty and confidence this Christmas that he loves you, that he sees you, that he cares for you. That you've been on his mind from the beginning of time that he's committed to you. He's delighted in you. But there is a necessary part of the journey 
of understanding and really getting all that you can out of, out of Christmas. And that journey is allowing the Holy Spirit to pull the curtains back of our hearts and allow him to reveal to us our deepest needs. I don't know, I know that's scary. I, I, I know sometimes you think, I, 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 can't, I can't, deal, can't deal with what's behind the curtain. That's why it's behind the curtain. Keep it there. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He reveals our deepest needs while offering us the solution of himself for those needs. That's the beautiful story of Christmas. So Matthew, who walked with Jesus, who was a disciple of Jesus, who was saved by the grace of Jesus, who actually gave his life for the message of Jesus, he opens this introduction, verse 1, I want to introduce to you Jesus. This is, uh, this is so important you understand. This is, this is, may I introduce to you. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. May I please introduce to you, point one, Jesus Christ, who is the one that came to save you. He introduces Jesus right out of the gate. He's the one that's come to save you. Now what Matthew was introducing, you think, I, I, I don't know, he didn't actually say that, he actually did, because he begins giving the name of Jesus, the Messiah. He begins with his name. Now, the name Jesus that we actually use, Jesus, is actually, it's a Greek, it's a Greek word. It's a Greek name for Jesus. But actually, the Hebrew name is Joshua or Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. We just translated that into Jesus. And when the angel appears to Joseph, I want you to catch this for a moment so you can understand the story of Christmas. Later in the chapter, in uh, chapter 1, this is what the angel says to Joseph. Marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Why shall you call him Jesus? For because he will save his people from their sins. The significance of the name is how Matthew begins introducing Jesus to people who have never known or maybe ever heard. And so before the birth of Jesus, understanding an angel coming, an angel saying his name will be Jesus, he will save his people from their sins. It's important that we understand the work and the plan and the faithfulness of God before the birth of Jesus, before the arrival of Jesus had been, you need to know this, that arrival had been set before the foundations of the world. God, in foresight, he saw it. He knew the day, he knew the time. Also, what should encourage you is this, God also know, knows you. God also knew that you would be born. God also knew that when he needed to send Jesus Christ because your name was on his mind because he knew you couldn't do it alone. He knew that you would need somebody to save you. Therefore, he sent Jesus as a babe in a manger for you. That's the story. That's the heart of Christmas. He reveals him, he, he, Matthew reveals Jesus by saying he is Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, and he will save his people from their sins. It's kind of like, remember in the Old Testament, there was Moses that led the people out of slavery. And then there was, a, there was a, an exchange of leadership from Moses 
to Joshua. And Joshua was to take God's people into the promised land. Well, the arrival of Jesus on that evening in a manger in Bethlehem, Jesus, Joshua, actually Yeshua, is about, he's now has come to take the sinful, broken, hurting, lost people with no options and no hope and no way to fix their own lives, that he now is coming as the Savior to take them into eternal life as the new leader. That's what Matthew was introducing. And in the list of these names of the genealogy of Jesus are sinful men and women, adultery, Sexual immorality, prostitution, incest. Like, if I was Matthew, I would have highlighted some different names. I'm just being honest. Why would God choose to introduce the Savior of the world who was slain before the foundations of time with such broken, stained humanity? Why would he do that? It's important that we need to understand that Jesus, through his lineage, he came through fallen humanity, not because of how good they were, obviously, or of their righteousness. He didn't come through humanity like us because of how good we are. He came to save you and the world through his righteousness. He came, the same lineage he came through is the same lineage that he came to save. And the truth is that if someone, if you need saving, if you said, I need saving, someone save me. That means that you need saving because you can't save yourself, because you're doomed, because there's no way out, because it can't happen. And then in the introduction of Jesus, out of the first line in Matthew chapter 1, it's almost as like he's before a room of people. And there's, there's all these people who were hurting. He can see it in their eyes. They're hopeless. They're, they have no hope. They need saving. They can't save themselves. They're broken. They're destitute. And Matthew was like, he walks out on stage. His opening line, ladies and gentlemen of the world that are broken, that are hurting, that are doomed, that are cursed, that are hopeless, that are regretful, that are embarrassed of your sin, that's a slave to sin. And those of all of you who are destined for hell with no way out, I introduce to you your Savior and the Savior of of the world, the one who has come to save you from your sins. This is Jesus Christ. That's, that's, what his, that's what his introduction was. He was saying, Merry Christmas, everybody. This is what it's about. It's about Jesus. And when I read the names of these precious people, and I'm aware of their backstory of pain, their backstory of abuse, their backstory of being betrayed, and you see the manifestation of sin in their lives and from their lives. You do notice there is a theme. There's a theme of sexual immorality all throughout the lineage of Jesus. And to me, this message is so clear by the names and the the list of names that, that Matthew shares with us. He's saying to all who know, to all who are hearing, 
maybe for the first time, maybe to you today. He's saying, yes, may, may I introduce to you Jesus Christ, the one who has come to save you. But also may I introduce to you Jesus Christ, the one who has come to save the morally outcast. The one, Jesus, the Savior, has come to save the morally outcast. Why would these people be included in the introduction of Jesus? Why couldn't we start in verse 18 about the beautiful story of Mary and Joseph? And why, why would God include these people in the lineage of Jesus? It's for the same reason that your name is included in the line that leads from the birth and life and death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It's the same reason your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's the same reason that you are a part of God's family. It's called the grace of God. There's no reason, there's no reason that these people should be mentioned in the Savior of the world. God made flesh. The one who was present at the creation of the universe and the world. There's no reason. Just like there's no reason our names should be included into the family of God. It is because of the grace and the goodness and the kindness and the beauty of God. That's what Christmas is about. It represents and reminds us that God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the story. That's the message of Christmas. That there isn't anyone that is too far gone from God's grace. There isn't anyone that, that God looks at and says, I can't believe that you did that. I can't believe that you re reacted that way. I can't believe of the immorality in your life. I can't, he, the, what the message of Christmas is, God came for everybody who was lost, everyone that needs to be saved. And he said, whoever wants to be saved, come and I will save you. An act of grace and kindness. And here's Matthew. Think about this. Matthew's writing this. He's, he knows people are going to read it. It might even be his, some of his relatives that, who, who knew him. might even be other people in Israel who encountered him. And he's writing this crooked family tree of the Messiah, of Jesus the Messiah. And as, he, as he's writing this, though, I'm sure Matthew remembers the life that he used to live. Before Jesus called him, as he's pinning the names of these, of these names that for Matthew and for Jewish uh, people, they, they, there'd be all these memories of how they were taught about Rahab and, and Ruth and Bathsheba and Tamar. And there'd be all these emotions and feelings connected with these different names. And here's Matthew, he's, he's writing them. And he's remembering his life before Jesus. I mean, he was a tax collector. He made his living by cheating his fellow countrymen out of money. And after Jesus called him, 
The account in scripture is that Jesus walks up to Matthew, says, come and follow me. And he gets up and he follows. Matthew throws a party for Jesus because he wants to introduce. This is what Matthew does. He introduces people to Jesus. He throws a party to invite all of his friends to his house so that he can introduce Jesus to them. Well, the only people he knew to to invite were all the immoral and cheaters just like him. And the room is full of these morally outcast people that had been written off by the religious society, that had been given up on. And Matthew invites Jesus. And he knew that he, as he's penning this letter, is the least likely person to ever be writing the gospel of Jesus Christ for other people to read. He's the least likely person. Many times, as I was preparing for this this week, but also in my, in my journeys, there are so many times, Matthew knowing who he is, knowing his background, knowing his own mistakes. I shouldn't be writing this. So many times, even in my own life, there's no way Jesus should save me. But then there's no way that I should be teaching the word of God because I, I, I realize where I came from. I realize that my own humanity. And as he's writing this, he has to be filled with such gratitude and thankfulness for the grace of God on his life. He knows Jesus came for the morally outcast and those that other people gave up on. Do you know why he knows that? Because he was one of them. This is what Christmas is about. This is the Jesus we need the word of God to reveal to us. To open your heart, to encourage you, to reintroduce us to Jesus this Christmas. Jesus came. For the morally outcast. Maybe you're here today or online today that you realize you've, you've made some immoral decisions. You've, you've sexually violated what you know Scripture teaches. You've cheated and manipulated and maybe you've stolen money. And maybe you say, that's me today. I am morally bankrupt. The message of Christmas reminds you that that's why Jesus came for you. Because you can't save yourself. You don't have the will to be morally good. You were born depraved with no ability to choose rightly. But the message of Christmas is God so loved you. He knew the pain of your own sins. He knew the filth and the guilt and the shame that you would carry. And he said, I'm going to rescue that one. Therefore, he sent his son. So if you find yourself knowing that you have violated moral, God's moral law, you can repent and you can receive healing and forgiveness today. That's why Jesus came. 
So many of us, we, we, we hide from God, we run from God. I, I can't know, I'm too filthy. I'm too, what do you, listen, Jesus came because you couldn't save yourself. Your sin doesn't surprise God, but he did come to save you from your sin. It's also so important to understand that Jesus came as a babe in a manger to heal us, to heal our, 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 our immorality, to heal our, our sexual brokenness. To, to, that's why he came, to heal our, 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 our filthy minds and our lust and our, and our greed and our power hungry and our ego and our pride. He came to save you. And then the other side of it is this. Well, that's great that God can save them. But what about me that's been hurt by what they've done to me? Here's the other thing. Jesus came and took upon himself the weight and the pain of sin. He took upon himself the curse of it, the sting of it. He embodied it. He drank the cup fully. And he died on the cross and rose from the dead. So not just those who can come to Jesus and be saved from their violation, but he died on the cross so that those who have been violated against can come to him and find healing, can find redemption, can find love, and can experience the grace and the healing power of Jesus. That's Christmas. That's the story of Christmas. And as we consider that, as we consider what Christmas is about, what, why Jesus came, our response, as we think of why Jesus came, as we consider the babe in a manger for me and for you, our only response is, thank you, God. I worship you, God. I praise you, God, that you delight in saving sinful, immoral outcasts like me. That is the message of Christmas. God is not a condemning God. You need to understand the scripture is so clear. Jesus came. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world from their sins. Matthew says, hang on, I am one of the worst. I am an outcast. I want to introduce to you Jesus Christ, the one who came to save you and saved me, the one who came for the morally outcast like you and me. And I introduce to you Jesus Christ. Number three, the one who came to bless the world through you. In verse one of this genealogy, it says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, or sorry, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Why would Matthew talk about Abraham? Matthew mentions that Jesus is the son of Abraham. What, what, is he, what is he introducing about Jesus that can help us understand things? What's he revealing about Jesus by that statement? And in order to know that, you've got to go back to Genesis chapter 12. And God tells Abraham, says this, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And all the peoples on the earth 
will be blessed through you. What, what's God saying? Now, this is God speaking to Abraham. I'm, I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. How's that going to happen? What is God saying to Abraham regarding him being a blessing to the whole world? Wait, what, what is he saying? Matthew introduces this idea that the blessing of God spoken or, or the blessing of God that comes has been promised through the lineage of Abraham. That's why it says that Jesus is a son of Abraham. That from the lineage of Abraham would come through one who would be a savior for the whole world, a blessing to the whole world. Who, who, what's this blessing to the world? Who, who is that? Galatians 3.16 answers the question. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, plural, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. One person. The blessing. So the arrival of Jesus in a manger in Bethlehem was a moment in history. The Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world arrived on earth from the line of Abraham and David to be a blessing of salvation and to rule and reign on the throne forever. God so loved the world that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to be a blessing to the world. The arrival of Jesus was to live a perfect life that you could not live. To pay a debt you could not pay. To die in your place. But then to be raised to life again. To make salvation available to the whole world. The blessing of salvation. Bringing those who called on the name of the Lord into God's family. That is the blessing of God through the line of Abraham. That blessing is Jesus. That blessing is salvation for the world. And you, as you give your life to him, as you, as you ask God and, and, and accept that he came to forgive you and to save you, as you accept he came to cleanse you of your, of your moral immorality or your moral mistakes and your moral issues and your moral, moral givings towards sins, he came to save you. As you do that, as then you accept that forgiveness and cleansing, he then puts on you the same mantle that it was on Jesus Christ, the same blessing from Abraham. Now you are to be a blessing and carry that blessing to the people around you in your life. That you have a purpose, you have a call Jesus poured his life into 12 disciples. He told them, this is, he taught them, this is, what, this is what I'm about. This is the Father. I don't say anything that the Father doesn't say. I don't do anything the Father doesn't tell me to do. I, he, he, for three years, he poured his life in them, his life in them, his life in them. The Savior of the world poured his life into 12 disciples. And he instilled things in them. 
But then the last thing that he said after he poured his life out and into them, he said, I want you to go and I want you to tell other people about me. I want you to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ that I came to save the world, that I came to heal you of your immorality. I came to to remove and strip the, the, the stain of guilt and sin and shame and the mistakes. I came to cleanse you. That's the good news. Now, disciples, go and do that. That's was, that was their message. Go and continue to be the blessing that has come through me to you to be a blessing to the world. The message of Christmas is, is the arrival and the introduction of Jesus to the world. And as we allow him to transform us, as we allow, like Matthew, to be transformed by it, as Matthew now is introducing people to Jesus, once we are in Christ, our job now is to continue to introduce people to Jesus, to the lost around us. You carry the blessing of Jesus Christ. You carry it. That has come through the seed, Jesus. The message of Christmas is realizing that the, the, the culmination of everything from Genesis to Revelation. Now think, just hang with me. From Genesis to Revelation, everything points to one central figure that has existed forever and fills time and space. Everything points to Jesus. The coming of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the healing from Jesus, the blessing that flows through Jesus. Everything after the existence of this world points to one individual figure. It is to Jesus. The message of Christmas is understanding this out of Colossians chapter 1. For in him all things were created, meaning Jesus, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him, Jesus. And I think sometimes we can forget the bus- in the busyness of Christmas. I think we can forget that we are actually not the center of History. I'm not the center of history. A generation, a particular generation, is not the center of history. The United States of America is not at the center of history. Billions of people have come before, and billions of people have gone on. Empires have risen and fallen, nations have come and gone. Countries that used to exist don't exist anymore. Countries that didn't used to exist exist. Queens and kings and presidents and dictators and rulers have all come and all gone. And my friend, Christmas is the message of the arrival of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came to give, to give you, to give us 
great peace in a world that seems chaotic and the world that seems un- unpredictable, backwards and upside down. And you need to know something in Christ, no matter what's going on in your life, who stands at the center of history, who commands the rulings of God in our life, the one who covers us and forgiven us and heals us. It is that one who stands and who can make sense of it all. And that is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. The message of Christmas, the arrival of Jesus, offers you peace today. And once you see it, it humbles you. I don't deserve to be forgiven. It's so hard for me to even come to grips with my own mistakes and my own failings. The message of Christmas is the whisper of God. In a starlit night, in a manger, in an animal stall, in Bethlehem. I came for you. I came because you can't do it alone. I came to heal you. I came to set you free. I came to remove shame and guilt. I came to give you a new life that you think you can't live because of something that you've done in your life? Or what if someone finds out about that? And what if someone, Jesus says through his arrival, you were why I have come, to save you. That's the message of Christmas. That's what God invites us to understand about Christmas, fresh and new this year. The message of Christmas is reminding us that you are hopeless without him and you do not possess anything within you to save yourself. That's why Jesus came to give you hope and to give you peace. And when you're confronted with your own failings, when you're confronted with your own humanity, when you're confronted with your own mistakes, don't run and hide. Run to the one who came to heal you and receive your healing. Receive your forgiveness. For those in your life that maybe you've written off, maybe like they did Matthew, and you think they're a lost cause, There are no lost causes in the kingdom of God that Jesus came for everyone, including maybe a child that's gone rogue, including maybe you that you don't even know why you're tuning in today. Jesus came for you. He came for us to save us and to bring us in our family, to give us a new identity. And to make us brand new. That's the beautiful message of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word that always speaks. Lord, I thank you today that the message of Christmas is one of redemption. It's one of grace. It's one of restoration. And it's one that gives us purpose. 
Lord, I pray today that if there are areas in our lives that we need saving. Lord, today we run to you. We embrace, God, that you so loved us that you sent your son to save us. Lord, today I know that they, there are things in our lives, people in this room and online, that they need you to save them. Maybe it's a broken heart. Maybe it's something psychologically that they just can't move on from. Maybe it's an emotional scar. We acknowledge today that we cannot save ourselves that we embrace the message and the arrival of you, Jesus, and why you came, that you paid the price for my sins, and that healing and restoration in life can be found in you today. So we come to you. We ask you to save us, O oh God. God, for those of us who have been immoral and we have compromised, Lord, and we're so embarrassed and ashamed by it, Lord, may we hear the voice of Matthew today that says for those who are broken and hurting and lost and cannot overcome your own impulses to sin, those of you who have been stained, darkened, hurt, been victims of immorality, may we hear his voice today that he would introduce us to the Savior who can heal us and came for us who are immoral and need restoration. Lord, today we accept and we receive. Lord, today for those of us who don't realize that we have been brought into the family of God so that we can continue to bless the world through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, today we say yes to you. Today we ask you to allow us to be lights in the midst of darkness. We ask you to allow us to be the voice of hope which is the message of Christmas that, God, you sent your son for us. Lord, today we want to be a blessing. We want to walk in cleansing power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse us of our hearts and minds. We want to run to you when we stumble and fall, and we want to receive from you salvation in every area of our life that we need it. Lord, I believe that there are people here today or online that are bitter. Their attitudes have been corrupted by unforgiveness in their lives. Fear and anxiety are the manifestation of this bitterness they're holding. Lord, today, may they run to you and receive cleansing. May they lay this offense in their life at your feet. And may they remember that they will never have to forgive anyone any more than you've had to forgive them. And so, Lord, we release the offense right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we release the bitterness right now. Give us the grace to let it go. Lord, today we are excited about this Christmas season. May we be in awe and filled with great peace as we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would say, I don't know Jesus. And I want to be a part of his family and I want to be saved. And I want to give my life to him. I want to receive salvation. I want to receive healing. 
If you want to give your life to Jesus today, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand right now. Just hold it up. Thank you. God bless you. Hold it up. Keep holding. Nobody's looking. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. The Bible says if you, if you will pray what I'm about to lead you through and believe it in your heart, you will be saved. And we're going to pray it with you as a church family. So let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner and I repent. I'm sorry. Will you please save me and cleanse me and forgive me? Bring me into your family today. I believe that you died for me, that you rose from the dead, and that you are alive today. And I commit my life to you, that I will be a blessing to everyone else around me with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will be your voice. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for giving me a new life from this moment forward. With your help, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today. So grateful.